All opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not of the organisation supporting this episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast, We Transform Lives. This podcast delves into the extraordinary impact of social entrepreneurship and the business innovations driving change. The series is brought to you by Transform, a unique accelerator programme led by Unilever, the UK's Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and EY, which unites corporates, donors, investors and academics to support visionary impact enterprises. We tell the story of six entrepreneurs and their innovative business solutions driving social and environmental change in communities across Africa, South Asia and beyond. This podcast showcases how powerful solutions being created in communities for communities by social entrepreneurs have the power to change the world if they're scaled and supported in the right way. I'm your host, Ruthie Shah, and in this episode, we're heading to Lagos. Did you know that residents generate 15,000 tonnes of waste per day, of which only 40% is collected? While working to combat this is Recyclers, a pioneering rewards for recycling platform incentivizing people in low-income communities to exchange recyclable waste. Joining me to tell us all about it is founder Bilikis Adebi Abiola and CEO Olawali Adebi. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Ruthie. Thank you. So it'd be wonderful to start off by finding out more about yourselves and your younger selves, because I've heard that actually you're brother and sister. So what was it like growing up? Yeah, I think my goal in life was to torment Wale. Um, Wale is two years older than me, so I was always, you know, bugging him and putting him in, in trouble. And whenever, and he was a little bit of a troublesome child, so whenever he did anything wrong, I would report him to our parents <laughs> for his own good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Bilikis, Bilikis as a, as, is somebody that was always on my heels. We were about, about two years apart, so in terms of size, she was close to my size. And people used to think that we were twins. So every time people would come and say, oh, are you guys twins? Because we looked alike and we talked alike. And I kept saying, no, I'm older. I'm, I'm actually much older than her. Um, and, you know, she was also much smarter than I was. So she kept catching up in classes. She kept promoted, always getting the best student awards. So, so I had to kind of keep competing with her, trying to stay out of her shadow because she, she really was the, the, most, uh, the most promising and the most gifted child. So that was kind of difficult for me. <laughs> You're so kind to each other. But before we delve into We Cyclers, did you work on other projects together? Yeah, so we loved working together. Um, you know, Wale was always a good big brother to me. So he was always nice. You know, he went to the US before me. So he, uh, I think it was about six months before me. So I remember when I went to school, he gave me my first computer in school, which was really nice. Um, and then after college, um, we were always thinking about, okay, what kinds of ideas are we going to do? Um, Wale got a job at a steel company and he talked about how scrap cars were really important. And in Nigeria, there were just a lot of scrap cars that were lying around. And we even came up with an idea of doing a, um, a scrap metal business. So we had done a business plan and everything, uh, but it just didn't take off. So we were always uh, trying to see how we could do things together. So picking up on that, I'd love to know more about you seeing this need to tackle waste in your community but what was the actual inspiration, whether it's a moment or a person, to take action? When I was in the MIT Sloan, there, there was a class called um, Development Ventures that talked about people that live at the base of the pyramid. Um, so if you know any typical Nigerian, you know that we are very brash, very proud, very bold. And so in the class, they were talking about countries in Africa and other parts of the developing world. You know, as a proud Nigerian, when I heard all the statistics, 70% of Nigerians are poor, there's no water, there's no you know, uh, trash, there's, you know, those kinds of things were just, I felt really like attacked. I felt attacked. And so there were, there was a group of people um, that were talking about waste. And since Wally and I had um, worked on a 
the scrap metal startup before, I decided to join that group, seeing that um, there really was a problem because as somebody that lived in the, um, you know, the middle income um, life, I kind of, I realized that I lived in a bubble. You know, our lives in Lagos were in a bubble. So we didn't even really see the kinds of suffering that people were going through on a regular basis. And so here, far away, thousands of miles away, was where my eyes got open to this issue and where we were able to get the help we needed to start something that actually looked like it could make sense. And so um, the, the idea for WeCyclers came up and we decided to go back to Nigeria to start it up and test it. That was even before we had graduated from Sloan. So we went to Nigeria for a few weeks in um, January of 2012. We had an event where we had people in the community come and bring their trash. And it was just overwhelming to see how much trash these people brought with little or no notice. Um, so went back to school a few months to go to get our MBA. And um, if you know MIT, there's so many competitions at MIT that you can you know, apply for, for money for. And so we decided to you know, see how that goes. Let's apply for all these competitions and see. And by the time we graduated with our MBA, we had raised a few, um, a few thousand dollars and we had got into an, uh, an accelerator that allowed us to start the business. So that was really where we decided that we're going to start Recyclers. But what was the environmental goal for you both? Because were you on board together from the very, very beginning that there is a problem in Nigeria? This is where we can do something about it? Or was it that perhaps Wale was driving it or that you were driving it, Bilikis? How did that actually happen? I think you know, Bilikis was courageous enough to, to start up WeCyclers pretty much on our own, on an idea. And you know, we, we both didn't have, I would say, any idea or notion that we would be working in the waste sector in Nigeria other than the scrap metal idea we had. I think that was that was the, the big driver for us. What really drove, I think, Bilikis to, to go into recyclers was what she saw as the, the issue at the bottom of the pyramid. I think, you know, when they ask us, why did you guys do recyclers? I think it's, I think for me, and I think for Bilikis also, it's more about the issue on poverty than anything else. So because we have a lot of people that live under the poverty line in Nigeria and, you know, limited incomes, what was... I would say the Eureka moment was seeing an opportunity for them to make an income, right? So for us, it's really about helping people create wealth and be able to generate wealth from the waste that is around them that they don't even have the ability to, to eliminate. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I was working at a steel company as an engineer while Blakey's was starting up the company. And, and, and honestly, you know, she was really kind of doing it on her own with very limited resources which led me to, to provide the loan she mentioned and even provide some support in terms of how she structured her you know, management style and also even operation, operating style with regards to, to, the, to the company. And when I moved back in 2016, I, I came back home thinking I would just not work with cyclists, just do something on my own. Um, I went to the, to the hub where she used to work and I was amazed at how much she had been able to accomplish. I mean, it was overwhelming to see how much stuff was out there and and I saw all the, the women sorters working hard and really dedicated to to the mission that she had already put together and so I was convinced at that point that I couldn't leave so that was what really led me to stay and, and work full-time because I, I was moved by the amount of effort that people were putting into this and it really made me realize that that was a goal that was worth uh, sacrificing a, a lot of things for so 
So that was kind of when I was sold on WeCyclers um, in 2016. And you know, I've been, been with WeCyclers since. The things I want to pick up on is that it's been evolving quite considerably over the years, but you were clearly ahead of the zeitgeist when it came to topics around environmentalism. But you do say it's about social justice here and, and poverty. But in terms of those successes, where have you had really, really super proud moments? People didn't really get it. You know, it didn't really make any sense. Because we're saying, oh, we have bicycles and we're going to collect trash. And people were like, well, don't they already have trash trucks? And then you have to explain to people that, no, there's no trash trucks. In fact, there are no roads for the trash trucks to go on. So um, I, there was an, uh, a competition that we had entered into. And despite this huge obstacle of actually explaining and having people wrap their heads around it, we were able to win, I think, second place, which was huge. And that gave us momentum to say, okay, look, let us dig deeper into this idea. Even though it seems crazy, there really is something there because we've been to Lagos and we've seen that it's really needed. And then when we got to Lagos and we saw people, you know, there was really nothing like this that had ever happened before. So you would walk up to a random person in a community and say, hey, give me your trash. Um, I'll come, I'll send somebody down once a week. And you know what? In three, three months time, we'll give you something depending on how much you've earned and that initial conversation where the person has no context no no background on this getting people to convert that was really i think uh, you know that was that was cool yeah and i'll and i'll just kind of pick it back in terms of other successes you know when i joined we cyclers i would say that you know the the team had really been successful in gaining a lot of momentum in the space um, what we were focused on was really trying to put structure into the company and to allow us to grow and expand our collections. And we started a lot of ideas on a very small scale pilot basis. So for instance, our, we had a kiosk collection model that we started out really by chance. And we were able to work with a partner as Unilever. Unilever has been a partner with us since 2014 and has been a really solid partner. And one of the ideas we pitched to them was to really deploy this kiosk collection systems across you know lagos which will allow us to expand our collection base so unilever sponsored this this uh, project and we we're able to increase our collections twice so we doubled our collections by this particular expansion and for us to see it actually grow so quickly was a huge success for the company because it it was the point where we were able to see that there was an opportunity to actually make a financial case for recyclers i think in the early stages, it was about building and really showing that this, this concept was possible to work. But when we're actually making enough revenue to pay salaries consistently and also to, to actually allow us to, to slightly grow in a more very, very marginal way, I think that was a huge win for the company to, to really show that, yes, this company has legs and there is a future that we can really push towards. So for us, I think that was another key, key win was the ability to show that we were able to scale if we put the resources behind it. So picking up on that element of why not and going to the obstacles, were there any sort of moments where you went, I really am having a bit of a tough day with this or we really need to move forward? How are we going to do this? Yeah, there was one I talked about. Um, it was early on in WeCyclers. was when the first time we did the redemption. So now WeCyclers does redemption with cash, which was after I left. I, you know, Wale brought that in and I think that's amazing. But I was, you know, really focused on, look, it shouldn't be cash. It should be in kind. So we were giving people things. So like if you, depending on how much trash you give to recyclers, you would get something. 
So we had told people um, to come to the, the Worcester Class Hub, line up, um, and we're going to go through your items, uh, what you've given us, and we'll give you your reward. And um, I guess I should have known something was wrong when there was a woman that said, look, oh, this is my laptop. Because we I was bringing my laptop out of my bag. And she was like, I'm sure that's my laptop, right? And so, <laughs> and this is somebody that was just giving us trash. She thought, she actually thought she was getting a laptop. But I thought she was just joking. So, like, the whole thing just broke out into chaos. Because when we gave people their items, somebody, people got butter, things like that. They had had this, like, unrealistic expectations that they were going to get, somebody thought they were, she was going to get a house, you know. So, like, they had, they had these big dreams of the fact that they, their little amount of trash was going to get them these big things. And when we ended up giving them, um, you know, plastic buckets and um, butter, they were, they were, they, like, the whole place was scattered. And I had to, like, be evacuated from the place. <laughs> and I had to go home. And I just decided, I said, you know what, I'm actually going to just show up tomorrow, walk around the neighborhood and see what they're going to do. Because if I don't show up, they'll think I'm a scammer. So I, I, I came the following day, like walking around thinking they were going to attack me. Uh, but nothing happened. And then after that, people like became more realistic in their expectations. I love that. So that element of sort of showing up. I mean, I, w I wanted to ask you about how you contributed even more so to the local community. But I guess there's there's inspiration there in terms of the narrative, in terms of also making sure there's not any miscommunication. But I'm going to step onto that element of helping the local community. Are you able to give us any more examples? You've given butter, maybe not laptops, but anything more to, that helps those that are around you? Yeah, so I think that one of the things that we were able to see and, and to, to Bilike's point, you know, the gifts were, were nice in terms of the initial phases to actually allow people to connect ways to incentives, right? But what we quickly realized was that, you know, the money was what really was what people were after. And I think initially we didn't realize that people could actually bring significant volumes to really make a lot of money, right? But what we found out was that people could bring a lot of volume. So people were bringing an average 200 kilograms a day. So for, for us, it was like, why not just give them money? So we quickly found that if we incentivize with money, that people would actually bring a lot more than what they could, what we thought they could bring, right? So there was actually a higher potential of, of collections that were out there that we were not tapping into. So people started bringing, when we started paying cash, people started bringing like insane amounts of, of material. So 200 kilograms a day equates to about a ton a week on average, which is a lot for, for one person to bring, but people do that. And what we are finding is that there's, an ability for people that have no jobs to make money to take care of their family much more than what anybody could ever imagine. And one of the things that is very characteristic of recyclers, subscribers, that's what we call our people that bring recyclables to us. Our subscribers are mostly women. And in a lot of cases, they are actually widows. Some of them are widows or, or single women or single moms that have two or three children and don't have jobs. So one of the unfortunate situations is that a lot of them don't have the skill set or the education to really have consistent jobs. So this is really the only means of income that they have. And they are, you know, maybe in the, in the middle age, older age. So it's harder for them to go out to look for work. So that is a huge impact in the community. And in a lot of our hubs that we go to, this is the way that people are sustaining their families. And they will tell you stories of how, you know, we cyclists was what gave them the esteem to actually have, you know, the self-esteem to have some dignity in terms of what they have, to have money, 
Um, so people actually bought land, they are building a house for their family. People are paying their children's school fees. So that, in a, for us, is, is the value of what we bring to the community. Fantastic. And I'd love to find out more about Transform and how the Transform initiative has helped further, because I know you mentioned it earlier. But one thing before we do that is you talked about the volumes and how a lot more was coming in than you were initially expecting. How? Like, how did people bring that much volume together, especially bearing in mind who you say are the subscribers? Are they getting family members involved? Is it bringing further community together? People are very entrepreneurial in Nigeria. So you would see that some people would, you know, get people that would work for them and they would actually tell them, you know, they would engage people to work for them, to gather the waste and, you know, put it together and then we cyclists will collect it for them. Some people that would also rent you know, a small bus or a small truck and bring it to recyclers. So there were lots of really innovative ways that they had utilized to make sure that they were able to get high volumes and get money. In, in addition to that, I think we saw a lot of people uh, that didn't have any, any jobs, essentially any full-time jobs, utilize that free time that they had to go out and, and, find, and find these volumes. And the material is out there, right? What we focus on is in low-income communities where there's a lot of, you know, beverages consumed with bottles because there's, there's not a lot of potable water. So people have to drink bottled water or, or, or beverages. So there's quite a lot of these materials outside available. Some of them go to parties on the weekend to collect all the, the plastics at the parties or cans at the parties. So there, there's, there's availability. Really what they just found is that this is value. So they just went after the value. So you've created mini economies off the back of your initial idea, from my understanding. Is that correct? That's correct. Absolutely right. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. And now heading on to Transform, and just to uh, dig a little bit further, if that's okay. So you got the support from the Transform initiative. It has helped we cyclists. But again, can you just give me a little bit more detail about how it helped you with the scalability? It helped transform the project. Well, I think Transform... A very distinctive for me, um, 2019, I think is when we actually got the Transform um, grants. And it was a transformative phase for we cyclists. And I don't want to, no pun intended there, but um, really what that was able to allow, allow us to do was to really be bold. It, it forced us to be bold because we cyclers, you know, a lot of our, our growth had to be incremental. We didn't have any huge capital. We didn't have, you know, deep pockets to really invest in capital to go out and, and expand. But when we had this transform grant, what it allowed us to do was to really dream big and go for a project that we felt that would allow us to be, you know, to be audacious. And for, so transform was the first time that WeCycler was able to go outside of Lagos in, in a significant way. So we're able to go over a thousand kilometers to a new location to set up a, a hub um, and a franchise. So that was a, a huge opportunity for WeCyclers and, and the first, first of its kind for us. It allowed us to engage seven franchisees. So we took our business model that had been working for, for years that we were running, and we actually were able to get other entrepreneurs to work under our umbrella to have their own sorting centers, to have their own bailing machines, and to be able to be entrepreneurs on their own. So it allowed us to really take our model and put it in a system that was able to scale much more quickly than we were able to. And so that's, those things we wouldn't have been able to do without that support. 
So I think Transform gave us a platform to grow. It also gave us something to be confident about. It actually gave us the, the, the audacity to, to scale the company and grow. And luckily for us, thankfully, we were able to actually secure additional funding to, to open up 26 new franchises, which is, which is huge for us. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that without Transform. But how do you maintain control as well? How do you also make sure that the scalability is something that's realistic? Does Transform help in that way? Absolutely. So one of the things that it made us realize was that instead of focusing just on what we were good at, which was you know, running hubs, we now begun to put in systems in place because the Transform project didn't just focus on, okay, just go and open up a bunch of um, franchises and you know, have more plastics. It actually focused on where the systems in place to support the franchisees. Did we have proper PPE at all the franchises? Was there adequate training? So it made us think about putting structures in place to support our franchise model. So we hired a franchise manager and we even developed a franchise contract agreement to ensure that franchises were abiding by contract and you know, safety handbooks. So there were so many things that the Transform project allowed us to do as a company that we wouldn't have done if we were just doing it by, on our, by ourselves because we were just focused on operations as opposed to putting in the structures to allow us to be able to sustain the franchise model. And I'm going to pick up on that because we were talking earlier about the fact that, you know, your brother and sister, that you've had this great relationship and, you know, worked in business. How has that affected your relationship too in terms of being these business uh, partners? So I stepped um, back from WeCyclers in 2017. Wale became the CEO of WeCyclers and he was the one that drove the, the transform. Um, I think it helped me and it gave me um, a peaceful peace of mind. Because before the Transform grant, just seeing that, um, you know, WeCyclers, it was, it was tough for WeCyclers to raise money, you know, from the um, private sector. And just seeing that, you know, the Transform grant was something where pe somebody um, very, very credible had put in a big, um, you know, big bet on WeCyclers and was willing to support WeCyclers. Um, that gave me a huge relief. And I was very happy. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that we, we have is, uh, we, can't, we can't overstate it, that we have, we have a very good working relationship. We have a lot of trust. You know, Velikis has a lot of trust in me and I have a lot of trust in her with regards to our, our work. And the passion that we both have for We Cyclers is, is, is the same. When we're doing things, she's obviously our biggest cheerleader and always rooting for us to be successful. So I think we've, we've always had that support. And she's, she's essentially, anytime there's a, a, a major shift in the company, Obviously, I'm, I'm always letting her know, keeping her in, in the loop, but she's always supportive of that. Like, you know, this is, this is I, I believe in, in you and I believe in the company. So that's always reassuring um, in the, to, to have someone that believes in me um, and, and my ability and the direction I'm going. I want to take that business acumen that you've clearly developed over the years, the, the pair of you, and factoring in the Transform initiative and how it supported you. If you think about the value of initiatives like Transform, and the fact that so many social entrepreneurs don't find it easy to survive, with the additional business acumen that you've developed over the years, why is it so important to be able to have that sort of support? I think, um, you know, it's very difficult to develop a business model that is sustainable. Um, and that, I think, is, it's, um, it's like a make or break for an entrepreneur. Um, if an entrepreneur is lucky enough to even make it to that point where they know they've built a business model, if it's, if it's not a business model that is a sexy one, you know, investors, because they, they tend to go in packs. So if it's not one that is, is a sexy one, 
it's very difficult to raise capital. I think we cycle has experienced that. You know, we're very fortunate that we were able to creative about raising money. So we worked with companies because we had a value proposition that companies bought into because we were helping them to clean up the um, packaging. Um, but there are some people that are not that fortunate, um, and it's, 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 it's kind of sad. But I, I think there needs to be a very, very definite push you know, around funding to really look at how we can provide entrepreneurs that are providing social services with funding. So even if it's not initially based on you know, money, maybe if there is some kind of way to monetize or to value the impact that they are providing, there should be some, some funding for that, maybe in the forms of grants, to enable them to grow to a point where then they can become investable. Um, I think that that's a, a big one for me. Yeah, I agree with Billy Kiss. One of the challenges that we've definitely faced is the fact that we're in a sector that is very nascent in, in our country. Um, we're also in a, in a country and a region that is quite difficult to invest in, in, in West Africa, it's quite difficult for investors to come in because of a lot of you know, volatility and instability. And then you have a situation whereby local infrastructure is still very, I'll say, very early and backward. So investors look at that and say, well, we're going to have to pay for this, this, and this before we can actually get the return on an investor. So conventional investors are pretty much out of the game at that point. So, so you need to look for investors that really understand the value of the work that we're doing as opposed to just looking for a conventional return i was going to pick up on that bearing in mind where you were at the start of this journey um you know being like okay there's a problem here in nigeria there's a problem globally we're seeing uh issues around poverty as well as the environmental impact factoring all of that in could you ever have imagined at the start that this is this is where you'd be now <laughs> not in my wildest like dreams would I don't even know what I wanted to do, honestly. It was just like, oh, let's try this. Let's see how it goes, you know? And there were some things that we've actually discovered now that we didn't even realize were going to happen. Like Wally mentioned, we, we thought people were going to bring one kg of trash, like a week. And some people are bringing one ton a week. That's crazy. We didn't realize also that things like unemployment, youth unemployment, a lot of young men got jobs with recyclers. Um, and that was a huge side thing that we didn't even realize we we're going to um, benefit. And even the, the, the extent of the, of the impact, some things like when we go into the hubs and we see how much plastic we collected. So there were some times when we we're like, you know what, if, even if we shut down today, like it's going to be irresponsible of us to shut down because we are packing this much plastic from the community. If we didn't pack it, where would it be? Or when we think about the people that are earning their, their wages, like, you know, those were the things that kept us going. Like, if we stopped, how are these guys going to make it? I think, I think to add to that, we, we definitely are ambitious, right? So now it's, it's at a point where we can begin to actually dream big. I think early on, there, there were just a lot of different challenges to, to overcome that it was hard to really imagine that we could grow to the point where we are today. I, I will be honest, even, even for me, when I look back in 2016 and what we're doing today, it's night and day. So we're actually exporting plastics. We're dealing with, you know, international, you know, international customers, you know, multiple containers a month now of, of, of plastics that are going to foreign markets, you know, and that was, that was probably not even in my, in my radar 
early on because of how little or how small we began. We began literally with one bicycle. And when I, even when I joined We Cyclers, we were still dealing with bicycle issues, like the chain on the sprocket wasn't working well, and the shaft of the bicycle, we had to optimize the shaft. I mean, that's, that's how minute the issues that we're dealing with. Uh, so, you know, just imagine now you're dealing with more commercial issues, expanding, thinking about building our own, our own recycling plant. So we've definitely come quite a, quite a ways. Fantastic. And one of the other things I just wanted to sort of check in with you and ask, there's always been that commitment to the local community. So in terms of the future plans, how are you ensuring that the community around you, the community that you've brought along with you on this journey, is still going to be part of this journey? Yeah, I think um, we just want to make sure that, um, like you said, the community is with us along the way. Point system is an integral part of our model. So for every kilogram of trash that people get, so in a way, they are like investors. So for every kilogram of trash that they recycle with recyclers, they get something back. Um, and we want, it, I think our dream has always been that, you know, the people that we're working with, there should come a day where they don't need recyclers, you know, they don't need the money anymore because they've been able to get themselves out of that situation and they have better lives. And they're just recycling now because it's good for the environment. You know, and that's really always been our, our dream because we realize that it's important to recycle for the environment. But for you to have this conversation with people in low-income communities, they won't even engage with you because they're thinking of things like, oh, how am I going to eat today? My children haven't eaten. And you're telling me to pick up plastic because it's good for the environment? Like, there's not, it's not even going to um, register. And we've started to see that. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day and she was saying how, you know what, I like the money, but... I've noticed how like there's less flooding, there's less malaria because we've cleared this plastic from the drain. So they've seen that this is important and, you know, I'll be happy. Yeah, and I'll add to that. One of our, our main offices, which is in, in the Lagos Islands um, community where we, where, we, where we work, we get sometimes up to three to four tons a day of recyclables dropped off at that location. So it's quite prolific. And that location, that community is plugged into recyclers in, in a very deep way. So it's like, well, like Vicky said, we're like the bank, right? So we, we, when they come for the like quarterly redemption, we give them cash or we help them open up bank accounts. So this is a way for them to really get financially included by, by being part of recyclers. In addition to that, you know, Belikis has come up with something in, in recent times about, you know, put, open up a food kitchen. And that food kitchen is something that we do annually to allow people to, you know, that are less fortunate to provide, you know, meals for them, you know, during this month period. Right now, it's ramped up to over 700 meals in a day. People are being given out of that same location. So I think a lot of people look at us and say, well, these guys are doing a lot of good. They're providing us money in our pockets. You know, they're doing a lot of good. So we want to see ourselves as that type of company that provides something for that community. So every community that we're in, we're providing value by giving them the ability to to help take their families but also to actually give them something back that you know, nobody else is giving them so finally if i can ask you if you can what would be the one piece of advice that you could give to people businesses entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting up and making just a change in their own communities I would say, I mean, one thing that I remember that's helped me a lot was don't give up. So if you have a bad day, just go to sleep, wake up the next day and continue. I agree. I think for, for me would be to, to just to be very resilient. And it's, it's very similar, similar advice 
in business, particularly as a startup or working in social impact, there is a lot of difficult challenges to overcome. And that's why we're doing it, right? So, you know, once you pick your path, you really have to be resilient and ensure that you, you believe in what you're doing and, and you stick with it. You, know, you, don't, you don't give up regardless of the obstacles that are in front of you. So resilience and not giving up. And I guess that question which you raised earlier of what now, what next, why not? Yeah, why not? And I think another thing I think that helped was that um, we had done some modeling for WeCyclers. So we had this like very intricate model of where we were going to be in five years. And we we're like, oh, this is going to be a million dollar company, multi-million dollar company. And so like so on tough days, we would go open up the model and I would just like keep clicking around and I'm like, oh yeah, this is, we can still do this, you mm-hmm. know? So like just having that, like my eye on the prize to know that, look, I'm actually not crazy. This actually can be done. And it's true. Um, I think that helped too. I feel so inspired by this conversation and I'm really hoping that our listeners do too. Thank you so much to Bilikis and Alawali for such an inspiring and in-depth conversation. It's been fantastic to learn so much about WeCyclers and I wish you all the luck with your future plans. Thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to it wherever you find your podcasts. If your business is interested in being part of the Transform Initiative and supporting impact enterprises, or if you're striving for change and would like to work with experts to develop your business, visit our website, www.transform.global. I'm Druthi Shah, thank you for joining us today. And remember that together we can tackle global challenges and transform lives through enterprises that drive impact.